Galatians chapter 4. And we'll start reading then at verse 21. Galatians 4, 21, that's found on page 1,157. As I said before, we're going to be focusing on the contrast, the comparison between Ishmael and Isaac and how these two sons, included with their uh, two respective mothers, come to signify two covenants and they're compared and contrasted for us here in Galatians chapter 4. So Galatians 4, we're going to start our reading then at verse uh, 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the, slave, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Bring, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. And that's as far as reading in Galatians chapter 4. We pray for the blessing of our God upon the preaching of his word. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, sibling rivalries is a source of constant friction, hostility in the home. What tends to happen is if you have uh, two children who are of similar likes and interests, is they compete against each other, each one trying to outdo the other to earn their place of privilege in the household, their preferential uh, treatment within the home. Which one is better? They're competing with each other. Is a desire to be seen, to be acknowledged, and to be accepted. But can you imagine the added layer of hostility when not only do you have two children that are competing against each other, but two wives with their two children competing against each other? Thankfully, the practice of polygamy is no longer accepted as a standard practice, and rightly so. But our text has not only a sibling rivalry, but a mother's rivalry. We're going to find this uh, same thing uh, with Rachel and Leah in just a few weeks. But rightly so, have men been warned against a woman scorned? Uh, So this evening we are going to see that there is not only a, a rivalry between Isaac and Ishmael, there is a rivalry between Hagar and Sarah corresponding to two separate covenants. 
corresponding to what will be seen as the old way, the way of the flesh leading to slavery, and the new way, the way of grace, the way of promise that leads to life everlasting. So this evening we're going to look at this theme. Isaac, who is the son of the promise, points us to the greater child of the promise, who is the mediator of the covenant of grace. So as we look at Isaac, we're going to see Isaac is pointing us Isaac, as the child of the promise, is pointing us to the future child of the promise, Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus Christ who is mediating the covenant of grace. In our first point, then, let's compare and contrast these two women and their two sons and how they are born. Remember that Abraham and Sarah are very old by this time. Abraham was 86, 86 years old. Can you imagine becoming a father for the first time at 86 years old? Abraham and Sarah had waited a long time. The promise was given first to Abraham when Abraham was 75 years old. That's back in Genesis 12. So from 75 to 85, 10 years have passed from the time that Abraham first had the promise, through your seed, through your children, through your offspring, will all nations be blessed. Abraham and Sarah have waited 10 long years. So in Genesis chapter 16, it appears to Sarah that there is not going to be a child through her. And just as an aside, throughout our sermon, we're going to use the names Abraham and Sarah. I know their names change halfway uh, through. We're going to keep consistent with using the name Abraham and Sarah. So Sarah is convinced that since she is not only old, but she is also barren, that there is no option, no way for her to conceive a child. So she suggests that Abraham take her servant, Hagar, to be his wife. Abraham does what Sarah suggests, and Hagar has a child for Abraham. Now, in having this child for Abraham, we have to remember the lineage of this child. Hagar was an Egyptian. Now, if we know our Old Testament history, we know what Egypt comes to signify. Not only was Hagar an Egyptian, she was also a slave, a servant, a bond woman under the law. Hagar, throughout her pregnancy, starts to show contempt for Sarah, her mistress. Hagar's place, Hagar's star, is rising. She is having more power, more influence, more privilege because she has produced a child in her womb for her master, Abraham. So Hagar starts to show disdain and disrespect. So the context for the birth of Ishmael is we have an Egyptian slave woman who has contempt for the mother, for the one through whom the promise is going to be handed down. And so it's a disdain not only of Sarah, but it's a disdain of what Sarah comes to represent. It is a disdain of the promise of grace. So Sarah, seeing the disdain and disrespect of her servant, starts to mistreat Hagar, her servant, 
and God uh, comes to meet Hagar as, Herif, as Hagar flees, and the Lord promises that this child that Hagar will give birth to will be a mighty man, a warrior. And in fact, the name Ishmael means the Lord or God hears. And the Lord sends Hagar back to Abraham's camp, and Ishmael is born, and Ishmael grows up the next uh, 13 years. And when Ishmael is about 13 years old, suddenly he has a younger brother, a younger sibling. So suddenly we have two sons in the household of Abraham, and the question before us is this, which is the right one? Which is the promised line? Through whom will the blessing that God has made to Abraham be carried out to all generations? Well, evidently the poking fun or the disdain of Hagar has passed on to the next generation so in Genesis 21, we have Ishmael, who is, it's, our passage says, laughing. It's um, the context of poking fun. He's ridiculing his little brother, Isaac. This raises the ire of Sarah, and once again, Hagar is sent away. Hagar and Ishmael are going to be removed from the context of Abraham's tent. Now, this is not to say uh, that this man, Ishmael, will not grow to be a great nation. In fact, the Lord promises this in Genesis 16, that Ishmael is going to be a great man, a mighty man. He is going to be against, or he's going to be opposed to all other nations. He will resist the yoke of other kingdoms. Although not being the child of the promise, he will still be richly blessed, and he will be a nation of kings, 12 tribes, will come from Ishmael. Now, it is interesting, before we get into considering Isaac, when we kind of dig down and what happens to the descendants of Ishmael, uh, to this day, the descendants of Ishmael are largely seen as the Arab people, people who live in the Middle East. And although we may not be able to see the, the lineage biologically, the present-day Muslims, those who are the people of the Islamic faith, they claim Ishmael as their forefather. So they see the Jews as coming through Isaac and the Muslims coming through Ishmael. It is an interesting fact that the name Islam means submission, where Ishmael, in according to the promise, will submit to no one. He will be against everyone. And the Islamic faith, in many ways, stands in the starkest contrast to the Christian faith, as we're going to see in just a few moments. So this comparison, this contrast between Ishmael and his descendants on one side and Isaac and his descendants on the other is already being sown in our passage. Well, now that we've looked at Ishmael and what becomes of Ishmael, we see next the younger son, Isaac. Now, children, as you may remember, the name Isaac simply means laughter. It is a laughter that started with skepticism. Well, I really have a child when I'm this old, uh, Sarah had said. And Sarah, being confronted by the Lord, you laughed. Her response was, no, I didn't. So there is this covering up of the laughter. But when Sarah actually does give birth... This name takes a new meaning. 
It is no longer the laughter of skepticism. It's not the laughter of doubt. It is the laughter of joy. Those who hear that this 90-year-old woman has given birth to a son for her 100-year-old husband will laugh with us as they marvel at the great working of our God. It is this child who is the fulfillment of the promise that the Lord had given to Abraham some 25 years earlier. It was Sarah's idea to involve Hagar. And it will be Sarah who will be offended at the insults of the slave woman and her son that would cause Ishmael and Hagar to be cast out. But God is going to use this and work through this in order to make a distinction because it is not through Hagar and Ishmael that all nations will be blessed. It is through Sarah and Isaac that the promise of blessing will be extended to all people. This faith that the Lord sees in Abraham will be tested. Abraham believed God And this child of the promise is a child received in the context of faith. But as you know, as this child grows and develops, we come to Genesis 22, that faith is going to be tested. Abraham is told by the Lord to take your son. And interestingly, the Lord refers to Isaac as not just your son of many. He is the firstborn, only beloved son. Take your dearly beloved firstborn son. Go and take Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice on the mountain. Abraham's faith is tested. But what did Abraham do? He obeyed. He believed. What specifically did Abraham believe? Hebrews 11, verse 17. Abraham believed that God could raise his son from the dead. What moved, what faith stirred in the heart of Abraham began when he received the promise, when he believed the promise of receiving a child. That faith is tested. Abraham, you need to sacrifice your child. Abraham remained steadfast in his faith. I believe that God is faithful and he can even raise my son from the grave. So Isaac comes to represent faith that is tested and tried, a steadfast faith. And as you may know, coming to compare Isaac, who is the only begotten firstborn beloved son, we see in Isaac a a little picture, a representation of the firstborn only begotten son of God. So Isaac, in his miraculous birth, And in his death and resurrection, although he wasn't actually put to death, it is typified his death, comes to see or be seen in the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But as you remember what happens in Genesis 22, even though Abraham didn't actually go through offering his son as a sacrifice, there was a substitute that takes place. Someone else, something else dies in the place of Isaac. And that substitute is the ram who is caught by his horns in the thicket. So we also have this picture of a substitute sacrifice, someone taking the place of Isaac who would die in his place. 
And as time would unfold, we know that the descendants of Isaac would become the 12 tribes of the Israelite people, one of whose tribes would eventually produce the promised Christ child as well. And unlike Ishmael, who is said who will be against or opposed all other people and never be captive to any, the Israelites end up being captive to many. They will be captive to many different people groups, specifically in Egypt for 400 years. So there is this switch. Things are getting turned on their heads. The child of the promise who is born by faith is going to end up being enslaved to the very nation from which the child who is not the promised child comes forth, an Egyptian slave's son. So Isaac's children are going to be slaves to Ishmael's kin. And that's going to be very important as we look at the end of our second point and as we look at the hostility between these two seeds that are going forth. Well, now that we understand the birth and the development of these two women, these two wives, their sons, in our second point we look at how this is taken by Paul in Galatians 4, to signify two separate covenants. Specifically, Paul says, these two women, Sarah and Hagar, and their sons, Ishmael and Isaac, come to represent two specific covenants. Hagar and Ishmael, first and foremost, come to represent the old covenant. Now, here we need to be clear. It is the old covenant as the Jewish people were mis representing it. It was taught by the Judaizers of the day of Paul. It was a a sinful warping of the Old Testament. These sinful Judaizers were rejecting Jesus Christ and the fulfillment and sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice. They were saying that we need to have an addition to the works of Jesus Christ. We looked at that this morning, didn't we? Our good works are not an addition. We can't add anything to the works of Jesus Christ. But these Judaizers who Paul is writing against were trying to add their own works. They're trying to bring back circumcision after these things had been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. So in Paul, in refusing and refuting them, comes to draw a comparison. What the Judaizers were trying to do is they are trying to go back to Ishmael and Hagar when by grace they had been brought into the new covenant of Sarah and Isaac. Well, what do Hagar and Ishmael come to represent? Well, our passage goes through the following uh, illustrations and comparing and contrasting. We have Hagar and Ishmael, Egypt and slavery. Hagar and Ishmael come to be known as earthly Mount Zion, the law without grace. They come to represent what is physical, what is fleshly, human works and merit, what man does, and therefore, by extension, every religion of man. Because when you compare all of the religions of man, what they all have in in common is this. The religions of this world, 
be it Islam or present-day Judaism or fill-in-the-blank, they all have in common its works, its merit, its, its what you do. It's righteousness by works and merit. That is, as Paul says, that's the old way. That's the way of slavery. There is no life in that. There's only bondage. And what those Judaizers were doing is enacting laws, elementary principles, going back to circumcision. They forsake the gospel, typified in the old temple, in the old city, the earthly city of Jerusalem. In contrast to that, Old Testament covenant without grace, as I said, it's a misrepresentation of the true Old Testament, right? So they took the grace out of the Old Testament and just gave you law. In contrast to that, the Judaizers' false teaching about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, we have Isaac, the child of the promise, born from Sarah. Isaac comes to be a picture of freedom. The child of the promise who is received by faith and that faith tested is found faithful. Isaac, true worship in the heavenly temple, the new Jerusalem. Not circumcision of the flesh, circumcision of the heart. Not law without gospel, law that points you to the gospel. Not what you need to do, not what you need to add, not your works. It's the sufficiency of grace through Christ. So when we look at Galatians 4, we have two women, two sons, and two covenants. One is fleshly, the other is spiritual. One is works, one is salvation by grace. One is earthly, the other is spiritual. One is past. One has been completed. And now Christ has fulfilled and brought the next to be. Genesis 17, verse 19. It is not with Ishmael, but through Isaac that I will establish my covenant. And through Isaac, the promised seed will come. Like Isaac, the arrival of Jesus Christ, the promised child, will be miraculous. But even more miraculous than having a 90-year-old barren woman giving birth is a virgin giving birth to the promised son, the only begotten son of God, the one whose arrival was foretold millions, millions, millennia before, not millions, millennia before he arrived. So we have this contrast. Law, gospel. Slavery, freedom. Old, new. Earth, heaven. Works, grace. Ishmael, Isaac. Flesh, spirit. Leading to death and bondage. Ending in life and liberty. The seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Before we close, there's one more application we find in our passage in Galatians chapter 4. As Paul compares and contrasts a Hagar, Sarah, Ishmael, and Isaac, the, the, the application that arises from this in verse 28 and 29 builds on this. Just as Ishmael 
persecuted Isaac, remember when Ishmael laughed, made fun of Isaac? So also those who are of this world and fleshly will persecute those who are born from above. We saw this last week. What we find in these two lines is the antithesis, right? The seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Should we, as the descendants, the children of Abraham by faith, should we be surprised when those who are not children of Abraham by faith persecute us? It happened all the way back there in Genesis. Paul says these things will happen in Galatians chapter 4. The world ridicules those who are children of Abraham by faith. Because every other religion in this world is ultimately about the works of man. They will hate Christians because they hate their works that expose their own evil actions. Salvation that is based on man's merit leads to salvation, while our faith in Jesus Christ leads us to freedom. To conclude, the contrast between these two sons is the contrast between law and grace. Trying to be saved by works is the old way, and it cannot be done. It will always lead to conflict and destruction. But if you wait upon the Lord, if you trust in the promised Son, if you are united to Christ by faith, then you are a a child of Abraham. And all these blessings that were promised to Abraham all those years ago are yours. Isaac, the son of the promise, points us to the greater child of the promise who mediates the covenant of grace. As Sarah comes to represent the Jerusalem above, those who are joined to Christ by faith are truly free and forever blessed as citizens in the kingdom that is to come. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for this beautiful contrast and comparison. As we see in Hagar and Sarah, Ishmael and Isaac, that what is impossible for man to do has been supplied freely, graciously in fulfillment of the promise through Jesus Christ. May we, O Lord, never try to earn or merit or work for our salvation because it has already been fully secured by Jesus Christ. May we embrace Christ, the child of the promise. May we be united to him as we look forward to the blessings that he has secured. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.